If Jesus taught us anything about the kingdom of heaven and the nature of God, it was that relationships are paramount. Thank you. Reconciliation, forgiveness, and interpersonal harmony are the markers of God's presence in our lives today. This morning's scripture is taken from a letter from the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, and it gives us a recipe for nurturing relationships and developing healthy communities. Hear what Apostle Paul writes. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Boy, you know, Paul sounds so much better when Jane reads it. <laughs> Sometimes he can sound rather rough, but thank you, Jane. <laughs> sounds good. <coughs> Excuse me. Please pray with me. Holy God, thank you for these words of wisdom that have endured through the centuries. And today, as we unpack the meaning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Everybody seems a little weary today. Merry Christmas, I heard from the balcony. Six day, Merry Christmas, the sixth day of Christmas. But Happy New Year, I don't even know what that really means. You know, when I think about it, because the calendar flips to a new date, a new number, and a new 12-month cycle begins to play out once more. And suddenly we decide that all things are new, you know, that we start because of this arbitrary date. It's a fresh new beginning somehow. I don't really get it. Seems kind of manufactured in a way, you know, sort of manipulative. Do you remember uh, Y2K? <laughs> it was a new century. And they said the computers would all crash. The IT guy at the place I was working with actually got fired because he left. He was like, yeah, no, everything's fine. But they thought it was so serious. 
was Y2K. The computers were crashed because they didn't program them to go from 1999 to 2000. And suddenly planes were going to fall from the sky. Our um, bank accounts would be eliminated electronically somehow, and all this wide-ranging chaos would just rule forever. And then, suddenly, in Times Square, the ball dropped. And everything was exactly the same. <laughs> you know, it feels kind of manufactured sometimes. It's like this collective psyche that we work ourselves into. But on the other hand, you know, it's kind of nice to recognize a particular date where we can all come together, you know, and at the assigned moment and agree that tomorrow marks a new day. You know, we feel like we can start over again. Oh, it's January 1st. Okay, we begin again. And it's a time to reflect on the past year, to remember the goodnesses and the tragedies, to remember the successes and the mistakes, both personally and collectively. Top ten lists, have you noticed those? They abound everywhere you go. There's a top ten list for everything. Top ten hair colors. Top ten YouTube videos. Top ten awkward political moments. Hard to narrow down sometimes. <laughs> Facebook um, just emailed me the year in review of me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. All my posts, my pictures, my videos from 2012 in a snappy little timeline. And I don't know why, but I'm a little afraid to open it. You know? I guess I'd rather vaguely remember the past through my rose-colored glasses than actually see it on the Internet in living color. But ready or not, New Year's Eve comes and we tuck away the past. And at the stroke of midnight, we ring in the new year, resolved to look, uh, to look positively and hopefully ahead to what's next. And we hope that as we arrive here again in 12 months, that things will be better somehow than they are now. And I think that's really why we wish each other Happy New Year. It's like a blessing, Happy New Year. May this year be blessed. May the future be blessed. And then many of us jumpstart that blessing with a specific resolution. Does anybody have a New Year's resolution? Oh, my goodness, really? This shows we go against the statistics. Because the statistics say that 50%, about 50% of the people, make New Year's resolutions. I guess that 50's up skiing. <laughs> so according to statisticbrain.com, almost half of us make New Year's res resolutions. And so here's another top 10 list of the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people are making. You ready? It's not too late, by the way. 10, spend more time with family. Why not? Number nine, fall in love. I don't know how you resolve to fall in love, you know? <laughs> and then how do you drop that one, too? Number eight, 
This was interesting. Help others accomplish their dreams. That's a good idea. Help others accomplish their dreams. I think we do a lot of that at Tricon with our missions committee and a lot of the ministries we have. Number seven, quit smoking. Again. (laughs) Number six, learn something exciting. That's always a good resolution. Learn something exciting. My sister just started uh, Toastmasters. You know, learn something exciting. Number five, you've heard this one, stay fit and healthy. In fact, the, the membership to the gym clubs goes up like 75%. You know, it's just remarkable. Um, number four, cancel gym membership. No, that's not right. <laughs> number four, enjoy life to the fullest. I don't know how you measure that, but that's a good resolution. Enjoy life to the fullest. Number three, spend less, save more. Good idea. Uh, Number two is to get organized. Finally, I'm going to get organized. People resolve to do this, and some do. And number one, in the top ten New Year's resolutions, anybody? You got it. Lose weight. Yep, absolutely. Nice goals. All of those are nice goals to have. And uh, I guess you guys don't have to worry about being brought down by this next statistic because you know that most people do not succeed in their resolutions, right? Maybe we've all learned this, so we don't, we don't do it anymore. Maybe that's what's going on. But, you know, 75% of the people who make resolutions, they do maintain it for the first week. <laughs> that means that 25 people out of 100 just like abandon it after the, less than a week. But after a month, 64% are still doing it. And then after six months, less than half, or almost half, depending on how you look at it, of these resolutions are, are maintained. And that's pretty good, you know. But before anyone would totally abandon the idea of making a resolution... Consider this. This is another statistic, the last one I'll give you. People who explicitly make resolutions are ten times more likely to attain their goals than people who don't explicitly make resolutions. That's huge. Ten times more likely to achieve their goals than those who don't make resolutions. In other words, there's a connection between naming a goal and achieving it. But changing behavior is hard. It's really hard. We tend to go about our life wanting business as usual. We go on autopilot, you know, so our brains can have space to do other things. You know, think about your commute to work that you take the same route every day, day in and day out, or your morning routine that you might do. You know, it's the same sort of thing. Your mind can drift, it can wander and go somewhere else. Changing something, for better or worse, it always creates a tension of some kind. And depending on our ability to hold that tension, we either give in to what was, Or we hold out for what's yet to be. But change takes willpower. 
Intentional and specific willpower. I don't like that word. <laughs> but it takes willpower to reorient to something new. And the research has shown conclusively that willpower can be exercised, just like our muscles, just like those gym memberships. We can exercise this willpower in doses, in little bits, and it can exercise and become stronger. And over time, we will grow stronger. We will adapt, because human beings, despite our need to do business as usual, human beings have an uncanny ability to change. Now this Colossian church that Paul is writing to had resolved to follow in the way of Christ. This was a brand new spiritual wisdom that was sweeping across the land and people were get, getting hold of it and they were deciding to change. They were deciding to change business as usual and begin to practice this new faith that was about forgiveness and freedom. It was about God's love instead of God's judgment and condemnation. The way of Jesus was very attractive. It was a brand new way of understanding God. This was really fresh. So the people resolved to become a church. And like our New Year's resolutions, they started out great. Earlier in Paul's letter, in fact, uh, if you read Colossians, he praises them for how far they have come. And how noticeable and positive these changes had been. He had never been to this church, but he had heard about it. And he kept hearing about this church in, in, in Collis. But as time wore on, some were giving up and returning to the old ways. Anger, rage, malice, slander were creeping into this emerging community like a poisonous snake, to reclaim these new converts. Sounds like one of our deacon meetings, doesn't it? No. <laughs> but I'll bet about half of the people in this new church simply just slipped back into their old ways and their old habits, probably even unconsciously, they're returning. They began to deceive one another, cheating one another, asserting power over one another, those power plays. They were establishing new rules that you had to follow and guidelines and who was holy and who wasn't. It became a legalistic sort of church all of a sudden. So what had become, what had started as something that was just so sweet and genuine was quickly turning sour. And they returned to business as usual. So, like a fitness coach, or a life coach, or a loving spouse, Paul pleads with them not to give up on this resolution. It's what he calls the new self. He writes, you have taken off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Putting on this new self that Paul writes about is a specific choice. Like picking out a wardrobe in the morning. 
It begins as a resolution to be conformed to Christ, to follow in the way of Christ, to just drop all of those dirty, tattered old rags of anger and malice and exchange them for a whole new wardrobe. To put on the new self is an intentional and specific decision to conduct business as unusual to shed the behavior of the past and try something radically different, something daring. So he tells them how to exercise this new self, how to persevere through the natural tendency to want to slip back to what was. Because he knows after a while, this new way of life, if you practice it, will habituate. It will begin to be normal. It will be a life of joy. It will be a life of thankfulness. A life without guilt or fear or constant need for approval or raging resentment. A life where forgiveness is easily received and truly given. He's seen this. But like any successful resolution, it takes a specific and intentional practice. It takes exercise. So, Here is Paul's five-step exercise program. Do I sound like an infomercial? This is a five-step exercise program for business as unusual. Notice how one leads into the other. Step one, he says, is to recognize that you are God's beloved, holy, chosen, And when you simply realize that God loves you unconditionally and you claim that as true, you begin to change. Now, you don't need any sort of huge theological ideas. You don't have to be fully baked. You just have to believe that God is for you. And then you can begin step two, where he says to clothe yourself with compassion with kindness, with humility, and meekness, and patience. Every day, he's suggesting to take a moment to put on these new clothes. And you can say to yourself, today I'm going to wear compassion instead of judgment. Maybe a hat of kindness, even when I'm feeling mean. Today I'm going to wear this belt of humility, instead of self-justification. Meekness, instead of power plays. Today, when I notice that I'm annoyed, I'm going to try patience. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Number three, bear with one another even and especially the most difficult ones. Bear with the unbearable ones. That's not easy, but it can be done. Number four, if anyone has a complaint, forgive. Forgive each other just as you were forgiven. So also must you forgive. Does this sound familiar at all? We say it each and every week. 
when Jesus taught us to pray, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Thank you. It's a hard practice to forgive, but it is so absolutely critical. Forgiveness is the central core of Jesus' message. It's all about forgiveness. And then five, finally, five is in all things, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you can, wor- um, if you can view the world through a lens of love in all things, you will discover the secret of all wisdom, all meaning and all purpose. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. In the end, love is all that matters. Everything else that we talk about is just commentary on that. When we exercise this five-step plan that Paul writes about, the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. And this will cause you to be thankful. And you will overflow with gratitude. I'll bet many of us here are overflowing with gratitude from this past Christmas. We got together with family. We noticed the love we have for one another. Gratitude. And gratitude for God and thankfulness for your loved ones. And you'll even appreciate your enemies. Can you imagine? And joy will become the bedrock on which you stand. You will live in joy. Now, of course, we're going to make mistakes. That's going to happen. But then we can practice forgiveness of ourselves and of one another. The way of Jesus is not about perfection. But when we daily resolve to live our business as unusual and put these clothes on, to throw away the old tattered rags of rage, vindictiveness, self-justification, and resentment, we will change little by little, and this new self will be born. This new self will mature, it will be nurtured. We don't need to flip the calendar to begin a date, to begin. We don't need to abandon our resolve on the days when we fail. We simply need to begin again. When you resolve or determine to put on the new self, you are going to be ten times more likely to succeed. Ten times. And since it is December 30th, and the new year is about to begin, kind of a nice marker. Let's begin. Happy New Year.